1: Join
2: us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on this episode of Fan of History. Hello, Dan. Hello, Bernie.
3: So now we have to talk about the Neo Syrian Empire.
2: All right. I would just like to make a state of the, like so I have like read about this over the last years just different things and I I didn't personally didn't prepare a lot for it just because I felt like after going through it so many times it, a lot of it you're going to tell a, the, the part of it. I feel like I was going to get into these details of like it was just getting boring like why is it 639 or why, you know, and not 627 versus, there's so many little, the historians fight over it. So that's my the preview of, the, you know, this this decade, the, historic, the historians just are hard to date anything.
3: We lose the Chronicles of Ashurbanipal in 636 BC. Mm-hmm. And it seems that the last years of Ashurbanipal are really shrouded in mystery. Yeah. We know that he's campaigning at the beginning of the decade, doing great things, beating up Elon again, beating up Cimerians. He seems to be doing fine, and then suddenly it's just silent.
2: And that's the six forties, really, because like that last that six thirty something, that's the last that's the last dated prism we have, but he writes about the forties in it. So there's we he doesn't say anything about what's going on in the thirties. Really weird. I think six thirty nine is like the last the last mention of like him as a, it's it's crazy
3: we don't even know when ashurbanipal dies right it's either in 631 or in 627 right but for for the case of this podcast it's both things are it's pretty much the same right um we do have um, a clue about the year 627 because it seems that the last Neo-Babylonian king, who is uh, deposed by uh, Cyrus the Great, he his mother right. claims to be Ashurbanipal's daughter. And she writes about it. And if you do the calculation, it seems that Ashurbanipal died in 627. Right. But... Most other sources make 631 B.C. the most believable date. Right. Uh, The last contemporary evidence we have for Ashurbanipal being alive and reigning is a contract from Nippur in 631 B.C. Right, that's the one. Mm -hmm. And of course, as things start to go bad in Assyria in the 630s, they don't tell us anything about it. Nothing. Nothing. But we know who replaces Ashurbanipal when he dies. And that is his son, Ashur Etil Ilani. And he implies that his father died peacefully. Mm-hmm. And remember, Ashurbanipal has been a lo- has been around for a long time. So he is quite old yeah. at this time. But of course, Ashur Etil Ilani doesn't tell you anything about his death. Except that he implies that it's, it was a natural death.
2: Right. Some historians surmise that maybe he abdicated in the 630s at some point. We just don't know.
3: There is also a theory that uh, when he got old and fragile, he had a co-regency with Usher Itililani. Ah. Uh. But that is uh, not something the Assyrians are used to doing.
2: And I think Asher Italiani, he had a he had a a eunuch that was his like trainer. I think I could be thinking about his next the next Let, one.
3: Let's save him for the 620s, because I yeah, know he's We're going to I'm going to
2: I'm going to have to look more. Yeah, I, and I've been like yeah, the 630s in Asher Banner Paul's a murky.
3: We also have the mystery of Candalano, we have mentioned Camalano before. Yes, we have. This is a guy who rules Babylonia. For the Assyrians, and the most common rumor about him is that he actually is Ashurbanipal. Right. But we know that Candelano is around in 627, and that he dies in 627, not 631. So if he is Ashurbanipal, that is another piece of circumstantial evidence for the death of Ashurbanipal in 627. But we also have records from Babylonia showing that there are Ashurbanipal armies doing stuff there at the beginning of Candelanus reign but then Candelanus seems to be ruling Babylonia really well you don't need to intervene with Assyrian armies in Babylonia Hmm. and this guy seems to be the perfect puppet king for Assyria and he's just so pro-Assyrian but we don't know much about him either No, we don't. We don't know his origin. We don't really know any actions he took as king.
2: It's completely murky. Some think he was Ashurbanipal's brother, and like you said, some think he is Ashurbanipal. A lot of scholars don't believe that anymore. Yeah, it's totally totally murky. I mean, it is 2,500 years ago, so.
3: And if you look at Babylonia, it seems to be doing quite well.
2: We have it is.
3: about it 200 does. economic texts from the reign of Candelanu, and that is the most economic texts for any Babylonian king since the 13th century BC. Wow. They are concentrated in the northwest, Babylon, Borsippa, Sippar, Dilbat, and Kursag Kalama. <laughs> and uh, Uruk in the south seems to be doing good at the beginning of the reign, But then economy breaks down in Uruk. Hmm. That is near the Sealand, near the Chaldean influence. So Chaldeans are beaten down so many times, but they are about to return.
2: Hmm. They never give up.
3: And thus I have to mention a guy who will become super important. I bet I know who he is. Tell me. Nabopolassar. Nabopolassar. He seems to be hanging around in Uruk. Okay. And probably he's doing official work there.
2: I bet. I wish he had an autobiography.
3: But he's obeying Candelanu and... uh, Yeah. Thus, Ashurbanipal.
2: From what I understand, he's an Assyrian official of some sort. It's
3: super unclear who he is. Right. Uh, subsequent historians have identified him as a Chaldean, an
2: Assyrian, or a Babylonian. But he knew spycraft.
3: But his uh, uh, his uh, successors will uh, seem very Chaldean.
2: Yeah. I mean, he maybe is a Chaldean, but working for the Assyrians. I, I, yeah, I, that's how I think I understood it. I, I, guess, I wish he wrote an autobiography or something.
3: There is an almost contemporary text. Well, there are more than one, but the Uruk prophecy <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh.
3: describes Nabopolassar as a king of the sea. That sounds like a Sealander. Yeah. That is a Chaldean.
2: Yeah. But yeah, he's around at this time. Yeah, he, he he's a very important person in history.
3: Remember Nabopolassar because he will be settling the old Assyrian-Babylonian conflict and it will not end well for the Assyrian Empire.
2: No, and I don't think he's even related to Miradak Baladin.
3: <laughs> in spirit, at least.
2: Merodach Baladin would, would have loved him.
3: <laughs> but during the 630s, he is mostly... Uh, Obeying the law of Assyria, yeah.
2: Wouldn't that be cool if we did? Did we should make a series of like, like autobiographies, like you know, like an auto the autobiography of Nabopolassar, and he sort of write it in his in his um, hand. That'd be kind of cool. It would. There's a suggestion to somebody, a good author out there, just like the ancient history autobiographies are obviously not real
3: in cuneiform.
2: Oh, oh come on now. <laughs>
3: But in the 620s BC, Nabopolassar will be back in full force. Yeah. yeah.
2: Okay, so let's stay re- in the 630s. Yeah. Let's do that. What do you have for me? I got some Olympics. Oh, sports! Yeah. Um, 636 Olympics. We know who won the dialysis the dial- or whatever it is in uh, 640, right? Kylon. But we're on the 636. So we have a guy, Phry- Phrynion of Athens. He won the Pankration. And later he became a general of Athens and got a chance to use some of these skills in a duel sometime around 6.08. But we'll find out about that then. Ari Thomas of Sparta won the stadium.
3: Okay, remember Firnon of Athens then for like uh, 30 episodes. Yeah, please. Then then there will be a quiz about it.
2: It's You know, I... Did you ever? Did you ever do podcasts? Like I, li- I'll sometimes find a podcast and I'll listen to the whole thing. Like and the guy might have did it over five years, you know. <laughs> so I try to go back and listen to them. But yeah, somebody may, you know, somebody may catch that episode in a couple of hours.
3: Yes, <laughs> that's kind of cool. Okay, more
2: Olympics. Yeah, more Olympics. So six thirty-two, I believe. This is while the Battle of Chengpu was going on, right? That time, um, there was the Olympics introduced a new event. And it was the boys' stadium and boys' wrestling. So um, this would be like, you know, it's a little murky. I'm going to say this is about from 12 to 17, 18 years old would be boys. I think what's really cool is how, especially the wrestling, I've been reading a book on the Olympics. I'm going to try to finish the ancient Olympics. Pretty good. And um, it just really goes to show you, though, how the Greeks were like, doing all these sports like especially these martial events you know like this physical fitness the running and the wrestling and the you know boxing and pancration i mean here's these now they're having boys wrestle and um you know they wonder why the greeks were such good mercenaries and they're kicking everyone's butt now pretty soon i mean here they as children they start wrestling so yeah so in the book there's a story about some a minister, somebody from another country, I think somewhere in the Near East, maybe he's a Persian or someplace. And he comes and he comes to one of these gymnasiums and he see, he's just questions all the violence. He's like, my gosh, your sports are so violent. And he's, he sees these two guys, two boys, you know, and they're like oiling each other up and putting the sand on each other and getting ready. Right, right? And then they just start killing each other, like fighting, and then they're done and then they're friends again. Just like, you know, you did boxing and, you know, martial arts like boxing. That's how it is, right? You go in, you, you have your friends, you punch each other in the face a bunch of times, and you come out friends. But, like, you know, they were the only ones doing that. And uh,
3: this will put a lot of pressure on the Spartans, because they keep winning the Olympics, but their main weapon, as we discussed in the Spartan episodes, is fitness uh. and discipline. So they have to be a little more fit than anybody else.
0: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
3: To keep their reputation as the best fighters of Greece.
2: Yeah, interesting. I do have a little bit of information on the wrestling. Tell me, um, just in general, like so. that's boys, but you know, um, it was they started it in 708 BC, and they called it pali. P-A-L-E, Pale, So that was the 18th Olympian. They brought wrestling. So they say it's the oldest form of fighting without wrestling. And there's two forms, upright wrestling and ground wrestling.
3: Oh, wait a minute. You said wrestling is the oldest form of fighting without weapons. Yeah. You said wrestling is the oldest form of fighting without wrestling. Did I? Yes.
2: Wow. I guess that's on record. So I meant to say wrestling is the oldest form of fighting without weapons. Good. <laughs> That's amazing how you say something, you don't even realize it. So, there's yeah, they had upright and ground wrestling. And upright was practiced in the sand pit, the same, the same um, uh, pit that they used for the long jump. And ground wrestling was done in wet sand. So we have a wet sand wrestling contest. Okay. But they didn't do ground wrestling at the games. The, the Olympic Games only had the upright wrestling in the, in the dry sand.
3: So ground so, wrestling is like dirty wrestling that is looked down upon
2: yeah yeah it's more like mud wrestling <laughs> wet sand mud pretty close yeah so um it it was it was the first of, it was actually the first competition added to the games that wasn't a foot race, so they like so they anointed their body with oil when they sprinkled dust over it to allow you know so you can grab them, so you oiled yourself up and you put dust on them it was you know in the book I was reading they different guys would have different color dust and the different kinds of dust. It was a very, you know, just like today, we'd probably have to go out and buy our special wrestling dust, you know? You know yeah. Joe's best wrestling dust is blue. You get the red or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, three throws were necessary for a win. I can't 100%. Say, I'd say a throw was like a knockdown, right? Okay. Um, it's not like Greco-Roman wrestling. Like So it's this is upright type of wrestling. You know, not where you start down on the ground. Um, it's likely that tripping is not allowed. There was, a, just like the boxing and stuff, there's an elimination tournament until there's one wrestler was crowned the victor. And their area was called, uh, it was one square plethron, which is 28.5 by 28.5 meters.
3: That's an enormous is, area.
2: Is it? Yeah, 93 by 93 feet. Yeah, so it's almost 100 feet by 100 feet. Yeah. Compare- yeah, that is a big ring. Yes. be running
3: around in there but maybe there were more than one wrestling match going on at the same time
2: maybe yeah the area it says it's true good point good point It doesn't say the ring it says the area Hmm. they prayed the wrestlers prayed to heracles her used to be known as hercules for strength and hermes for speed so that was their patrons
3: heracles is the greek name and hercules is the roman
2: Oh, well, I like Hercules, because that's how I think of him, like Hercules. Hercules sounds like a speaker. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, it was held on the fourth... All the contact sports were held on the fourth day of the Olympic Festival. So, and then, just like the boxing and the pancreation, there's no um, weight divisions. Um, what does this say? The 16 Olympic wrestlers or Oh, sorry. Um, according to one witness, they said they, the um, Olympic wrestlers had muscles the size of boulders. and they gave each other they gave them nicknames like this guy's the bear this guy's the lion
3: well, you better be big if there are no weight visions
2: yeah i know you just want to be the biggest goon you could be like you know well here's what they say they should look like this one coach who was a famous coach he said at the an even temperament and a fine physique were important. He liked a wrestler with a straight back, a solid thigh turned outwards, and wrote that narrow butts are weak, fat ones slow, but well-formed butts are an asset for simping. Simping? I mean, simping is a word like, that's a different word with connotation now. It means like if you're sort of like sympathetic to your girlfriend. So I don't know what simping is. Must be wrestling. Why is Philostratus obsessed with butts? Uh, he's Because narrow butts are weak, fat ones are slow, but well-formed butts. So I basically muscular, you know, because your power comes from your legs. So he likes a good gluteus.
3: <laughs> and, uh, all of these guys are naked, of course. So
2: Good point. Right. So you see this big fat butt or a skinny butt. You're like, ah, this guy's no good. If you're going to bet on them, look for the guy look for the guy with the good butt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I don't know how to describe which one. Uh, anyway. Um yes. No hitting or kicking was permitted in a wrestling, right? Not like the others. There, that's why wrestling was 708. And then I think we had boxing in the 680s. And then we had the pancreation by the 640s or 50s, right? You're like, all right, wrestling, not violent enough. Let's go punching. All right, let's go kicking. It's at the no gouging of the eyes. And you can't even do that in the pancreation. But that's about all you can do. And it's at the discretion of the referee whether or not twisting the fingers with intention to force him to concede is permitted. Now, that isn't allowed in the pancreation, so that was not always allowed here. Here's the thing, Godness. Grasping of the genitals is prohibited. So, Good. <laughs> all other holds intended to persuade the opponent to concede defeat through pain or fear are permitted, and they're a big part of the contest. So you want to you know, beat him up pretty good, make him scare him, so he quits.
3: So you can win with uh, three throws or... Forcing the other one to quit.
2: Yeah, yeah, scaring the hell out of him.
3: Strangle them.
2: Yeah, you could strangle them, stuff like that. Now here, well, this break is their a good off. Break their arms. If you're lucky, you could twist their fingers. The only thing you can't do is grab them by the genitals. You know? We have to get in and say, look how good my butt is. I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> they said this. Some, some athletes, I found this, some athletes were so terrifying that their opponents simply defaulted allowing them to win what they called aconiti, which means dust-free, without having to get dirty. So it was actually a thing. There's a 2nd century an AD athlete. Um, his name was Marcus Aurelius Escalapides. He won the Pancration pen, uh, at a bunch of festivals, including the games held at Olympia, and boasted in an inscription that he stopped all potential opponents after the first round. An inscription In another inscription honoring a wrestler, Tiberius Claudius Marcianus, says that when he got undressed, all his opponents begged to be dismissed from the contest.
3: <laughs> his butt must have been terrifying
2: amazing or what else who knows <laughs> Like wait, I just had this vision <laughs> What if he was like excited when he <laughs> you're like, yeah no enough fighting you forget it
3: <laughs> I see uh, that they introduced rounds at some point then. If they have rounds in the second century C, because they don't have any rounds now, right?
2: True, 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 true. They didn't. They would just there was this fight. Yes. And how about this? There was uh, um, infractions were punished by immediate whipping by the referee until that undesirable behavior is stopped.
3: Uh, the UFC should should have
2: that. I know, right? <laughs> like when you're clinching too much, like stop it, whip, 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 whip. <laughs> Um, You needed three points to win the match. And how you can win a point is the opponent's back, hip, or shoulder touching the ground at any time. Um, By the opponent tapping or in some other way making clear that he concedes through pain or fear. And by the opponent making contact with the ground outside the allocated wrestling match ground or any part of his body or by being lifted and carried out. Sort of like sumo wrestling. If you throw them out of the ring, you win.
3: You carry someone fourteen meters to the yeah, then then you should win. And of course, the the first rule is the three throws.
2: Right. So, like, if this was like, pro you ever professional wrestling? Professional in quotes wrestling, like WWF. Oh yes. Yeah, they're always throwing them out of the ring. So basically, if you threw the guy out of the ring three times, you will win. You yes. don't even have to hit him with a chair. So, um, at, yeah, so maybe this is kind of like rounds, too, because after scoring a point, the opponent must be given time to rise in his feet in a few moments before wrestling can continue. So yeah, you can't just throw the guy down and be like, you know, jump right back on top of him. Um, so That's different than boxing and, and, and pancreation for sure. The, ma- the referee starts the match. He could stop it if, you know, the point is scored, all those kind of things. He, like we said, he has whips. They said there's, you know, the referee had some some leeway in deciding the rules. So I imagine over the centuries things changed a little bit.
3: You would hope so.
2: Yeah. Well, today we don't, well, you know, at least we weren't clothes. I, I do have some of the winners, so let's see. We have some of the boys. So boys wrestling, guess where he was from?
3: Where was he from?
2: Sparta. Oh, surprise. <laughs> 632 BC. A guy, for his name is Hippothenes, from Sparta. And we also have the Spartans won the stadium. His name is Eurycletus. But the boys' stadium was won by a a, a guy, a boy from, his name is Polynicus, He's from Ellis.
3: It's interesting that they have like a few of the winners for each Olympics, but not all of them.
2: Yeah, I know. You know what I think it is? I'm pretty sure I read it in that book. Ap- okay, I think what it is is the records. If there was, an, it, it, like, if Olympia had records, we don't have them because all the records come from the cities. So, like, ah. This, yeah, you had to like sort of tease it back. Like, oh, we found out that this year this guy won like Chiron. We knew. maybe, like In other words, they might have found out that Chiron won the Olympics in 640 because of his revolt. That kind of thing. That's why it's all pieced together.
3: Interesting that the Spartans are so bad in documenting events, but they are good at documenting the winners of the Olympics. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Yeah, I wonder why. I think they needed that. I mean, they weren't really very big. Like they weren't, they they had, they were so strong and powerful, but they had to be like the Assyrians and keep you scared because they didn't lose for so many times. But they, I mean, they only had their own citizen soldiers. If they lose an army, they're in trouble.
3: <laughs>
2: you know, you can't yeah. use. That's what you know. Honestly, that's what Ashurbanipal did wrong. He just kept using his army. You can't just keep using it just because it's big. He just, you know, he used it up. In my opinion, you know, just because he had a by the end, it was a pyrrhic victory. Yeah. That's all I got on the Olympics there. Yeah, so that's what I got for the, uh, that's the end of this episode. I think we're going to have one more for the 630s, and that's the end of this one. That's all I got for today. Well done. Thank you. And you too, Dan, actually. Thank you. I know you know a lot of times, you know, Dan's got millions of podcasts he does, and a lot of times I do a lot of the research, and Dan did a lot of research on this episode, and so I I do appreciate that. It was really very helpful, and I enjoyed it very much
3: i found a lot on 612 bc so i'll be doing
2: <laughs> a lot for that awesome awesome yeah but i hope you guys uh, enjoy it
3: too uh, remember our patreon as well if you like yes, the podcast please. consider being a contributor on patreon.com search for fan of history yes uh, there is shoes, a sum you donate to us per episode and if we make an episode we get the money if we don't make one we don't get any money so it's not a yes. monthly thing; it's per episode, but it is charged the month after the month the episode was published. So that's good to know, so you don't get confused by that.
2: Yes. Okay. I do appreciate it. Onwards, yeah. closer
3: to the fall of the empire.
2: Yeah, one more decade closer to the fall of the empire. Oh, thanks, cool. everybody, and thanks, Dan. Thank you, Bernie. See you next time. See Cheers. You next time. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.